Why don't you grab your Bible and uh, let's get back to uh, our discussion from last time, uh, dealing with everything from uh, porn addiction and lust. Why don't you grab uh, Proverbs chapter five? Turn there with me. <clears throat> One of the things that is so incredible is the brain, the human brain. Um, and I'm always amazed at what I'm really good at remembering and what I'm really bad at remembering. Like, isn't it funny? It's, it's a little bit like, um, you, know, um, you know, you really wanna remember something, but you just can't, and it takes work. Uh, but then you wanna forget something, but you just can't. Like, it's like your brain will latch on to certain things um, and, and, and it'll remember it. And then others, it just, it's just work. And I think it has to do with what we talked about last time. Um, your brain, as it turns out, uh, it, you know, when it gets, uh, you know, engaged in certain things, we talked about dopamine levels and, and how um, the neuroplasticity has to be sort of changed. We got into some of that on our last time. And, and it's, it's important to understand a little bit how the brain works. But, but here's the thing. Um, uh, this is one of my... Um, my challenges, I think, not only in the issue of pornography, but there's so many issues today where basically our culture and so-called science, um, oftentimes I say so-called because, um, man, we've gotten away from true science, you know, what, uh, the scientific theory and how to, you know, uh, check science and stuff like that. But there's so much out there called science and especially in the area of psychology, but, but there's so many people that say it's way more complicated than you think. And I have to say, I'm taking up a battle in just about every topic um, where the Bible says, nope, it's not that complicated. And the world says, no, it is complicated. So like in the area of pornography, well, Brad, it's not, you can't. Last time you said, um, I've got the solution to men looking at porn and the problem. Here's the solution, don't look at it. Well, it's not that simple, Brett. Don't you understand the neuro pathways and the, you know, the, the uh, dopamine levels and, and all that stuff? Oh, I understand there is a complexity to the way our bodies work and stuff, but I'm gonna go with the Bible every time. And the Bible says stuff like, flee fornication. <laughs> That's a nice way of King James saying, run for your life from pornography. Fornication, Greek word, porneia, where we get our word pornography. Um, so, so there's this thing where nowadays, if you're an alcoholic, oh, you have a disease and we make it so complicated when really, and I understand it's not easy. I'm not, I'm not saying things are just easy and you can just overcome. I'm just saying the Bible kind of says abstain from evil. Um, do, do we know more than the Bible knows? Do we know more than what God says in his word? Um, God didn't say, well, it's actually more complicated than that, brother, sorry. Uh, good luck with that. You see, what happens when we play the overcomplicated game, it's so overcomplicated that, man, I'll never have victory over this. It's way too complicated. Oh, it's because of my past and what my father did and, and it's because what this happened and that happened and, and we've almost, and, and nobody wants to admit it, but it's actually creating excuses uh, to make it so that you're kind of off the hook. Well, I'm an alcoholic because my dad was an alcoholic and it's kind of in the genes and we're all addictive personalities and because I have the disease, it's like this. And, and it, you know, but it's an interesting thing that we call it a disease because it's the only disease you go purchase or you click to go see. Uh, it's funny, it's the only disease that you go and um, you, know, you, you get arrested if you do it too much. Like it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing how, um, how we, we kind of create these things that let us off the hook. And I would say it actually enables us to keep going, well, I'm just a guy. And, and, and a lot of men have just kind of, well, that's what men do. We look at pornography and it's sort of a rite of passage. 
You feel like a real man somehow because, well, you looked at porn and you did this or that. But really, the Bible says no. Um, the Bible just tells us to run for our lives. And, and I, I, I'm gonna stick with that. I'm gonna stick with the narrative of the Bible, even though some modern psychology would say that's too simpl sim simplified. Uh, it's not that easy. Uh, I'm just saying, let's, let's, let's go with the Bible. And one of the key passages on this, by the way, um, is there in Proverbs chapter five. Uh, Solomon, do you think Solomon knew something about sex? Um, think about it, 700 wives, 300 concubines. Um, uh, and and that's, uh, that's just wives and concubines, who knows what else was uh, in the mix there. But he was somewhat of an expert on marriage, but I would say he's probably an expert on sexuality too, as far as the perverted version of it. Um, but Solomon saw that it was all vanity emptiness. He even said, vanity, vanity, it's all vanity. Emptiness, emptiness. In fact, it's the same word that he uses there in the Hebrew for vanity. It's, it's like um, the same word they use for soap bubbles. Uh, remember when you're a little kid and your mom poured Mr. Bubble in after you're out wallowing in the mud and she'll get in there, take a bath. And remember, you just hated the bath. But she'd make it a little better because she'd pour all that soap in there and all the puffy bubbles. You're like, oh, bubbles, awesome. But remember what happened after your bath? All you were left with was muddy water. Um, that's, that's, that's the way, and the soap bubbles were gone. That's what Solomon says, it's all soap bubbles. It's all fluffy and beautiful at first, but then it just, you end up with muddy water. Soap bubbles, soap bubbles, it's all soap bubbles. <laughs> that's a good description of pornography right there. You start off with beautiful bubbles and then you end up with muddy water. Um, it's over promises, under delivered. We'll talk about that. So Solomon talks about this and he talks about the strange woman. Now the strange woman is not some woman that is um, a weirdo, you know? Like, uh, what's she into? Like, you know, Pokemon and Star Trek and stuff? Like, a strange woman. Uh, that's a little strange, maybe, but oh well, some people like that, that's awesome. Uh, nah, it's not that kind of a strange woman. It's the strange woman meaning strange to the ways of God, strange to the ways of the law of Israel. The Jews had very specific rules around sexuality and the strange woman could care less about what the Bible says about sexuality. And she would be, they called her the strange woman who was a promiscuous woman seeking to lure a young man. And Solomon has a lot to say about the, the strange woman. Let's take a look. It's Proverbs chapter five, verse one. There it says in Proverbs 5, one, my son, Attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to mine understanding that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou ponderest, uh, pardon me, lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her and come not near the door of her house. Lest thou give thine honor to others and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof. 
and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Drink the waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and the rivers of water in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction in the greatness of his folly shall he go astray. Here Solomon here who understands the way of the sexually perverse lifestyle. And man, you, you get the sense, oh, how I've despised the wisdom and instruction I've been given. Isn't that funny that Solomon was, was declared by the Bible as the wisest man on the face of the earth? Why? Because God gave him supernatural wisdom. And you know what's amazing about that is the supernatural wisdom from, from God is so important and wonderful, but the problem is Solomon didn't always use it. He was given wisdom, but he didn't use it. And boy, this is a truth, I think, for a lot of the great men we've seen who've fallen. There's been some great men who had great wisdom, but they didn't always use it. And that's why it's such a shock to some of us. I think, you know, maybe you, you guys are aware of the Ravi Zacharias thing. It was a big national thing. And boy, the, the atheists are delighted. Why? Because, man, if they had to debate Ravi Zacharias when it came to God, not only was he just a gentle, nice guy, but he was a brainiac guy who was one of the most powerful apologists for the Christian faith out there. Ravi was like one of many of our heroes, like, go for it, Ravi Zacharias, awesome. And then he dies. And then it all comes out, you know, and his poor wife's still trying to defend him and his family, but the Rabbi Zacharias Foundation said, no, the evidence is clear that he was doing sexually perverse things. Um, and, and it goes down and the atheists are celebrating because this Christian fell. Um, one thing you and I need to remember is better men than us have fallen to sexual perversion. Many, many. And, and the t temptation, well, those were just a bunch of perverted guys doing secret things behind closed doors. But the problem is, man, that's the kind of arrogant attitude that gets us into trouble. And, and, and you know, we all know better than to get all tangled up in sexual sin. We know better. And, and many of us are like, oh, that would never happen to me. I would never do that. But my dad used to say, Brett, never say never. You need to always have your guard up. You need to always realize you're prone to these things. And it's, I think it's some of the guys that think they're not prone to making these mistakes that actually end up falling the hardest because they didn't even really see it coming. And then suddenly, somewhere, some way, they kind of got tanked. And their, their hands and their face saying, oh, why have I despised instruction? Why have I chosen the stupid way? That's what Solomon's saying here. You, you hear it in his voice. But this little chapter is one that you and I, we should read often. 
This should be one that you and I visit often because, you know, it, it, it was true back in Solomon's day, the strange woman and her ways. It was true back in Solomon's day, but how much more true is it today? Satan has, has gone ballistic with sexual perversion and the lure of sexual promiscuity. Man, if he had guys back in Solomon's day, look what he's got today. He's got the internet and everybody in their little pocket, they've got their, their world of pornography right there. And the access is insane. And the, the number of pornography videos, and you know, here in the United States, one of the leading industries in the United States is pornography. More money, more you know, videos than any other thing. It, it, it really got the internet off the ground. It's, it's kind of embarrassing how humanity has been so um, tweaked out. Now, 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 some of you guys are saying, well, Brett, I thought this was about pornography. Um, you, you're talking about adultery. Proverbs chapter five is, is you know, the adulterous uh, situation where a guy is going to some woman's house, a prostitute or something like that. Um, well, yes, it is. But, but do you understand when it comes to pornography, Jesus upped the stakes, didn't he? Um, there in Matthew's gospel. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus upped the stakes on everything. Um, everything. Here, here's, here's an example of that. Matthew chapter five, verse 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So this is where, um, this is a tough one. Now, now I gotta say, I've had wives come and say, my husband was looking at pornography, so I want a divorce. And uh, you know, it's, it's tough because in some ways she has a point because of what Jesus said. You know, if you've looked at pornography, you're lusting after a woman in your heart and, uh, and your wife could say, well, Jesus said you have committed adultery if you've looked at a woman with lust in your heart. And, and, and um, I, I have to kind of be compassionate for that poor wife and understand why she feels that way. Here's the problem that I have. That would give every wife on the planet a license to divorce their husband. Does that make sense? That's why I don't think that's what the Bible means because the Lord hates divorce. Um, but so I do think it has to be literal adultery for that you know, uh, grounds for divorce to be kicked into gear. But you have to understand I think the looking at porn does the same thing in a marriage that an adulterous affair does. Just ask the women who've caught their husband, you know, looking at pornography. And in some ways, I think uh, the woman would almost uh, rather it be uh, an adulterous affair uh, so she would have biblical license. Like it's such a horrible, destructive thing that Satan's got going. And he just continues to run that same play over and over and over again. Why? Because it's a guaranteed first down every single time. That's why he runs the play over and over again. So, so this Proverbs chapter five isn't just for the um, you know, physical adultery. I think it's talking about the same thing Jesus is talking about. We're talking about the strange woman, whether she's you know, your next door neighbor or if she's online in some video. It's the same. It's adultery in God's eyes. And so as men, we have to kind of step up and realize this, this is what Solomon's talking about when he talks about the strange woman. It's, it's, it's the woman that you see in the, in the, on the screen or in the movie or in whatever you're watching or doing, the strange woman. Um, but he gives us some, some real key things. And again, this is where people say, Brett, it's not that simple. Uh, we need to turn to psychology. Well, let me just ask you this. If psychology works, 
then why are men more tangled in pornography today than ever? We've been doing the you know, psychological approach now since the 60s. Uh, you'd think we'd be experts by this time. We'd, we'd see men living in vic victory. But as a pastor now of many, many years, I've not seen a lot of victory with the guys in their uh, more psychological approach. I've seen uh, guys have real victory when they take a very simplified biblical approach. And that's what I wanna try to remind us today. And, and I think that Solomon gives us some, some good stuff to chew on this morning. So, so the, the, let's break some of these things down. I'm not gonna exhaustively look at this whole chapter, but let's, let's kind of boil down some of the things that he says. Number one, um, we can deduce from this that pornography overpromises and underdelivers. Um, we know this to be true, and we see this in, in, our, in our scripture, verses three and four. There it says, for the lips of the strange woman drop as a honeycomb, um, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her, uh, but her end, you know, the end of the whole thing is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Man, interesting. Um, you gotta understand, in Bible times, uh, you know, the best thing you could put in your mouth uh, as far as taste and food was honey. Um, I remember Samson, he scooped it out of the carcass of a dead lion because man, honey, that's awesome. You can't do better than honey. And so there he was, man, scooping up honey. And I, I love honey today, man. I'll, I'll put honey on my Cheerios, on my pizza, on my whatever. I'll just put it on everything. Honey's awesome. I love honey. But, but, um, but it says the woman promises to have the, the drop like a honeycomb, sweetness. And then, um, but it says her mouth is smoother than oil. Oil, fine oil was like, you know, and, and smooth fine oil. In the Middle East, the, you know, olive oil was, um, you know, the, the smoother the olive oil, the more luxurious it was. It was a, a, a real luxury to have the high quality uh, olive oil and, and smoother than olive oil. Um, th this woman comes off so good, sweet as honey, smooth as oil, but, her end is like the bitterness of wormwood. Wormwood, by the way, was a, a certain wood that was known to taste bitter. And you say, well, why would they chomp down on a two by four, like wormwood? Well, actually they, they had a thing and there's question whether it's legit or not, but they believe that if you had, if you had uh, digestive issues, that if you sort of nod on this wood, that it would give you a certain a, a remedy. But the problem was the wood was horrible tasting. Uh, it, it was bitter and you had to gnaw on this wood. Have you ever, um, I remember when I was a kid, I had Tinker Toys, and um, did anybody have Tinker Toys, you guys? Like, yeah, um, I used to chew on them. Do you guys, did anybody else chew on Tinker Toys? I'll tell you why. It was that pine that they used. Back when I was a kid, they didn't have plastic Tinker Toys. They had actual wood, and they used this real nice pine, and it just had a nice, I just sit there, my mom's like, take that out of your mouth. I just, so this is a funny thing. Um, she, she kept all those Tinker Toys, you know, and, and um, then uh, like when my son Joey got over to grandma's house, she threw out some of dad's old toys and Joey's like looking at all these chewed up Tinker Toys. It's like, <laughs> like what's wrong with these Tinker Toys? Uh, I was like, I don't know, something happened to those. Um, I had to admit that I liked gnawing on uh, pine wood. Um, but, uh, but they would sit there and gnaw on wormwood and they hated it. It was a horribly bitter taste, but they thought it was medicinal and it would get rid of the worms in your, in your digestive tract and stuff like that. Um, but, but all that to say, uh, maybe we should do that for coronavirus, right? I mean, uh, wormwood, uh, gnaw on some wormwood. I don't know, I'm just kidding. Um, 
<laughs> little ivermectin joke there. Um, but, uh, but smoother than oil, but her end is as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. And it's not like the Bible's sharp. It's like it's gonna cut you up and rip you to shred sharp. And that's the thing. Porn looks so good at the, at the beginning and it's so luring, but it, at the end is bitterness and, and destruction. That's really what it's saying here. It's just that simple. And Solomon makes that, he's wanting us to see the, um, the, the, the suffering and the grossness that happens after you engage with the strange woman, whether she's online or she's the next door neighbor or someone you work with, whatever the, the, the adultery is, uh, that's what you have to watch out for. It's, it's promises sweetness, but ends up in bitterness. Number two, um, porn is a lure. Um, oh, by the way, yeah, that's that scripture right there. Um, number two, porn is a lure uh, to death and hell. That's, that's what it is, or the strange woman, or the adulterous you know, situation. It's a lure to death and hell. We see that in, in chapter five, verse five and six, where it says there, and this is the ESV. I like the way the ESV puts it out there. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol, which is another name for the grave and hell. Um, it can be used either way. Um, she does not ponder the path of her life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. Um, you know, you think there's, there's great confidence in where you're going when you initially engage in pornography or lust. You think that it's, it's gonna take you where you need to go, but it actually leads you where you don't even know where you're going. That's, that's the point. And her feet go down to death and to hell. Um, are you saying, Brett, that if I look at porn, I'm going to hell? No, not saying that. Um, again, who would go to heaven? Uh, there'd be very few men in heaven, I think, if that happened. Because, you, know, you know, many of you guys, remember I was talking about how your brain can remember things you want to forget? I remember as a kid, uh, when I first saw a picture of pornography, as a, as a young kid, um, and uh, it's, it's amazing because, you know, when, when you're a little kid and you're walking down the street, uh, you know, we, you find the, the mag that was thrown out uh, on the side of the road. When I was a kid, that's, what you, that's when you'd first see pornography. It was either a, a magazine that was thrown on, on the street or it was a, a buddy at school or something like that that showed you porn. But the, the bummer is many of you guys, you've had that first thing where you saw it, whether you were doing it willfully or accidentally or whatever. The problem is most of you guys can remember that very first image you saw to this day. Your brain is a steel trap mind when it comes to things you wanna forget. Isn't that a crazy thing how your brain works? But as it turns out, um, you know, this idea of your brain and what you're taking in, um, we were talking about this last time, but, but basically, you know, no matter what you've done, you've seen this pornography, but, it, but here you're basically hearing that it's a lure to death and hell. Well, well Brett, then who can go to heaven? Because most guys have seen porn at one time or another. Um, but the, the thing is, um, that's not the problem as a lure to death and hell. It's not that you've looked at porn, it's what porn does to you. What do you mean? Well, um, uh, remember last, last time we talked about the porn cycle? Let me refresh your memory just really quick. We talked about the porn cycle. First of all, you've got the temptation. Uh, and by the way, the temptation is not really where the, the sin has happened yet. Um, because Jesus was tempted in all points like as we were. So Jesus had to have been tempted with lust. Um, but it wasn't sin. What happens is you got this, the, the temptation, 
And, and then the second part of the porn cycle is the situation. And, and the situation part's not even where you've sinned yet. But we talked about how the situation after the temptation often is the trigger point. Remember the little girl I told you about in the school teacher's classroom that she was this little girl that was triggered, remember her? And she'd go like this with her hands and she'd tell the teacher, I'm feeling triggered. Remember that little girl? I thought that girl's better than we are. She was, she was a girl that I told you the last time, she was tearing apart classrooms and finally they put her to this one teacher and the one teacher said, I'm gonna help you with this. And the little girl, she could recognize when she was feeling triggered to wanna tear the classroom to pieces. And, um, and she's still doing really well, by the way. I was asking the teacher the other day how she's doing. She's still, she sees her triggers and she starts to do things to help herself not to give in. The situation, what is your situation? that gets you into looking at pornography? Is it, is it a situation where you're by yourself or you're on your phone in a certain situation where it just kind of starts to put the, the, the picture together um, where you're getting yourself into a pattern of behavior that's gonna lead itself to where you actually engage in the sin? Um, and remember last time we talked about Romans 13, 14, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That, that making provision is where you take over. When you're feeling triggered, I was telling the guys, go like this next time you feel triggered. <laughs> and I'm feeling triggered. Then you gotta get out of that situation. You gotta change the trajectory because oftentimes those situations that you find yourself in are the things that keep you right in the same rut as you're always in. So you gotta change that. So you get the situation and then after that you get the transgression. So you got the temptation, the situation, the transgression. And then after you've done the transgression, Satan's right there to remind you of this part, the humiliation. And we talked about that last time, how shame is so often attached with porn. And just the shame alone helps men keep it a secret. The shame alone helps the, you know, and Satan knows this, if he can keep you in that porno shame, uh, man, you're not gonna tell anybody. And the longer you don't tell anybody and you don't confess your sins one to another, the more he's just got you in the rut because that, that brings you down to that humiliation. Now, I'm gonna um, sort of add a number five here um, th this morning because after the humiliation comes what we would call condemnation, condemnation. Humiliation and then condemnation. Condemnation is um, what Satan wants to use to really seal the deal. If he can't just keep you, you know, humiliated, he'll, he'll try to move you into that mode of condemnation. Um, interestingly enough, you know, uh, Romans chapter two tells us how we come to repentance. I love that, you know, it's the, the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. Does condemnation lead men to repentance? No. Um, we know that condemnation does not lead. Is condemnation something God is into? No. How do we know that? Well, let's, let's look up the definition of these words. There's two words that you should know about this, um, especially when it comes to your guilt and your sin and when you get tangled up in sin. There's condemnation, that's bad. And then there's conviction. There's a difference. Conviction versus condemnation. Now, now conviction is a little tricky because conviction has three major meanings. Like one is, well, he's a convict, he's convicted. That means he's going to prison and he's gonna do hard time. He's a convict, convicted. Well, that's not the main meaning of the word conviction when we talk about it biblically. But let's, let's talk about the Webster's Dictionary of these words. First of all, condemnation. Um, uh, this is what Satan wants. This isn't what God wants for you. Um, this is what Satan wants, condemnation. Declared to be reprehensible 
wrong or evil, pronounced guilty and sentenced to punishment, especially sentenced to death. Um, that's the Webster's Dictionary of the word condemnation. Now you hold that side by side up to the word conviction. This is the biblical thing God wants for you. The act of convincing a person of error or compelling the admission of a truth, the state of being convinced of error or compelled to admit the truth. And by the way, if you're looking it up in the Webster's, it's the third meaning of, of the word conviction that the Bible actually teaches, um, not the first two, which have more a relation to the word condemnation. That's where the confusion lies. So how do we know God's not into this? Well, we know from Romans chapter eight, verse one, many of you have this memorized. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You know, we love to quote the first half of this verse. There's therefore no, no condemnation. And then we forget that there's a little bit of a string attached that's important to them that are in Christ Jesus. And, and that's, that means you're saved. That means you're a Christian. Christ in you, you in Christ. Uh, that's becoming a Christian. And then also those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So when you walk after the flesh, condemnation's a likely result, but it's not what God wants for you. But the Bible is clear. He doesn't want you to be con uh, condemned, but if you keep walking after the flesh and fulfilling the lust of the flesh, pornography, then it's gonna condemn you. You will be condemned, whether it's Satan condemning you or even your own sins condemning you. And that's right where the devil wants you. But obviously that's not where the Lord wants you because the Lord says, listen, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ and for those who are not walking after the flesh, but after the spirit. So you and I as men have to do this. We gotta walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. How do we do that? Ammo scripture, but I'll get back to that in a second. So, um, so the first thing we see here, um, you know, which is so important, number one, we see porn over you know, promises under livers. Number two, porn is a lure to death and hell. Not because if you do it, you're gonna go to hell. It's more like what happens is you, you start feeling condemned and then there's this vicious cycle where you feel condemned and then the, the condemnation is a big win for Satan because, why is condemnation a win for Satan? Because condemnation will make you as a Christian brother here at Athey Creek feel like a big phony. That's a big win for Satan. Here I am at Athey Creek, all these holy spiritual men around me, but I just looked at porn yesterday. And, and, and then you feel like a phony. When you, when you have that moment of clarity, like, yeah, man, I'm such a sinner. Um, and, and, and man, Satan will get you right where he wants you, that you, you feel like a phony, you're a hypocrite, and the world's quick to say, the church is full of hypocrites, and you're like, yep, I'm one of those guys, I'm a hypocrite, I'm a phony. And, and also, Satan loves condemnation. Why? Because he, he wants to make you think that God is mad at you. It's interesting to me uh, that the wrath that God should put on me, guess what? He doesn't have that for me. There's no wrath for me. Why? Because I'm a Christian. I've accepted Christ. Um, I love it, you know, even if we're not talking about the tribulation period, but this is what it's talking about. In 2 Thessalonians 5, it says, we are not appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wrath that was meant for you, guess what? God says, listen, I'm not gonna put that wrath that you deserve on you. Why? Because I put it on my son in your place. The Christian, you have to remember, God is not mad at you. Um, it's, it's like a father and his son. When, when you look at your son and you see him failing or making a mistake or sinning, you're not saying, I'm gonna crush you. Well, that's an abusive dad. 
Um, you, you, the dad that loves his son, man, his heart breaks. And he'll do everything in his power to try to lovingly help his son out of that trouble. Everybody else will be disgusted by the boy. Everybody else will be mad at him. Everybody else will think he's a loser. But the father who loves his son, man, I'm, I'm with you. I'm there for you. That's the, the God that we serve. But Satan, if, if he, he can keep you in that place of the, 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 the porn cycle, where you reach humiliation and then you, know, you get down to this condemnation, you'll feel like a phony, you'll feel like God's mad at you. And then also it makes you, this is where it gets tough, not wanna be around Christian people. There's a lot of guys who end up not going to church because they don't wanna be a phony. So they keep looking at porn and don't go to church. Like that's the logical path they end up taking and you think that's not very logical. Well, it's not, but I know men that have, come to me later saying, Brett, this, the porn cycle, you know, I was looking at porn, I was doing all this stuff, and then I kind of felt guilty in church, and you'd talk about stuff from the Bible, and I'd hear you, you know, and I felt condemned by things you were saying. It wasn't really what I was saying, as much as how Satan was having a field day, condemning. What, the, what does the Bible tell us about Satan? He sits around and he accuses the brethren, how often? Day and night, night and day. He never gives up on this accusation thing. So he can condemn you, so you feel like a phony, you feel like God's mad at you, it makes you not wanna be around other Christian people, and ultimately it can, if you're not careful, make you walk away from God altogether. And that's the problem, I think that's the porn cycle when you really kind of play it out long term, it's a lure to death and hell. Not because you're looking at porn, you're going to hell. It's because of what porn does to you. It draws you away from the Lord, and that's a big win for Satan when it comes to this issue of pornography. So what do we also learn from this passage? Uh, number three, as we look at Proverbs 5, we also learn don't even get close. Don't even get close to stuff that is tempting or pornography or adultery. Like we need to be carefully distant, purposefully putting space between ourselves and the potential for failure. And we see this in Proverbs 5, uh, verse eight, also English standard version. Um, I like to just have the different contrast. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Man, this is something the Bible teaches over and over and over. Don't even get close. Oftentimes we ask the wrong question as men. We say, how far can I go and it still be okay? Uh, you know, is the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, is that okay? It's just harmless visual stimulation. No, run for your life, don't, wrong question. Don't ask how far could I go and still be within the boundaries of Christianity? Um, no, that's the wrong question. Ask yourself, how holy can you be? How far from these things can you go? Um, you know, it, it reminds me of Lot, you know, and, and, and you know, the angel told Lot, get out of Sodom, don't look back, don't even be near the plain of, of Sodom but go up into the mountains. And remember what Lot did? He, he wanted to stay near the plain, so he went to Zoar, a, a little town near Sodom, and he felt the heat. And when he felt the heat of the fire and brimstone, he said, okay, I'm out of here. And he finally went far away. But man, the idea is run for your life. Don't, don't just kind of dabble, don't just play around. Um, but you gotta take like a, a, a heavy duty activity to say, I'm gonna do whatever I can to not even go close to it. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of um, making no provision to fulfill the lust of your flesh. Now, here's the problem. If a guy wants to look at a porn, he can do it. He can figure it out if he's gonna push, you know, push really hard for that. But there are some things that can slow you down, especially in those moments of temptation. 
Um, things like covenant eyes, like just, just every device you have, you have a, a, a buddy, an accountability partner, or a group of guys. Um, three is a great number to have just for accountability purposes. Three, we, we, we encourage that here. Covenant eyes, when I used to tell you guys about it, I had to say, you know, it was all right. But man, um, I remember when Joey and I, we were on Covenant Eyes together. And um, it's really kind of cool because when we first got on it years ago, um, you know, on our iPhones, our iPads, our laptops, and my desktop computer, everything's all on the same Covenant Eyes account. So, so when we first got on it, you know, Safari and like your web browser didn't even work on your iPhone. Like that was the problem. And then if you tried to use Siri, you'd say, hey Siri, and it's like, you can't use this feature, you know, cause Covenant Eyes, like it shut it all down. Now, to, you know, Covenant Eyes has come a long, long way. And, uh, and how it works, I'm just gonna tell you, um, uh, is you pay a little subscription, it's no big deal, but you pay like $7 a month. Don't even get close. $7 for, for whatever, uh, pay the bucks. And, and you, get the, you get this thing where you and your buddy sits down and you log on, put it all on the software on your computer. And what it does is it, it does two things. You can, you can filter your internet, which the filter's gotten way better. Again, when I first out, I'd try to go to, you know, my favorite news uh, websites and it would block it. You know, you're like, oh, great. You know, and that was a bummer. And then I'd have to go to my accounting partner and check and make sure that we could unblock that. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was a tricky deal. Now the filter's gotten great. It's way, way better. Uh, rarely do I ever, and I, I'm on the internet looking at new stuff and you know, searching for crazy stuff like beheadings and uh, you know, like, like my prophecy updates. I'm sure I'm on some watch list somewhere. I'm talking about weapons and, and Afghanistan and all the, <clears throat> all the research I'm doing. But um, I, I get blocked like very rarely uh, on, on my news stuff that I'm digging in and studying. But what it does do is it takes screenshots of your device, uh, uh, sort of intermittently. And if there's anything that might be sketchy, it'll take a screenshot and it sends your accountability, you can do it once a day or once a week, but it sends your accountability partner a screenshot that's fuzzy, <laughs> a fuzzy screenshot. Uh, and it says, you know, you might want to review, if there's a questionable website that you, that you looked at, um, you know, let's just say there's a girl in a bikini uh, on an ad or something. It'll kind of take a shot and, say, and it'll send that to your accountability partner once a week and get kind of an account, uh, you know, uh, update. And the guy can kind of look at the fuzzy picture and go, is that a person in there? Well, if you're wondering, you can click for one click and it'll make it a, a little less fuzzy uh, for like a two seconds. <laughs> I know this sounds ridiculous, but um, you know, th this, is, this is like a, a, a really cool way to run for your life. This is a great way to flee fornication. And uh, you know what's amazing is, is just the idea that somebody's kind of watching where you're, where you're clicking. Um, that's just a healthy, healthy thing. Um, and, um, and then, you know, you, you, you kind of have regular get togethers with your accountability partners and talk, talk about things you, you know, you you know, and if there's something questionable, you don't say, I'm running to tell pastor, brat. You don't do that. You say, Hey, how can we get victory over this? And you help your brother through that. And, and you talk it through and pray through that stuff. But, um, man, it's come so far. Um, I, you know, I'm just going to say it. I think every guy should have some kind of accountability online with the iPhone, with the iPad, with the desktop, the laptop, and uh, all the devices that you have. You can just put it all in one account and uh, it works great, works great. Covenant eyes. Are you a salesman for covenant eyes? Nope, I would be. 
uh, but I'm not. Um, but it, it, is, it is legit and it's gotten way better. So just heads up on that. I, I'd re- recommend everybody uh, be on. How many guys, by show of hands, are on Covenant Eyes right now? Raise your hand. That's awesome, that's good. I, I'd, love, I'd love to see this congregation of guys get to be um, you know, 100% on that, honestly. But that's up to you, no legalism here. You know, it's funny on this whole thing, don't even get, you know, go, it says, you know, keep your, your, your way far from her. Don't even go near the door of her house. Uh, my dog, Charlie, uh, we have that invisible fence around our property. Um, and that thing works great. Um, but once in a while, you know, um, I'll be digging a ditch or something and I cut the wire and I'll forget to reattach it, you know, and uh, the wire is like just two inches underground. But it works like a champ, you know. Um, uh, Charlie, when he first got it, you know, he, I, we'd teach him where the line was. Dogs are smart, man. Charlie figured it out like in a day. Um, and the thing starts to beep. If you get near the wire, it starts to beep. And if you start getting closer, it beeps a little louder. And then if you cross the wire line, eep, shock. Um, and it's great. Charlie, the first shocks uh, that I, you could have settings, and the first settings, he just blew right through. He's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, is that all you got? And the answer is no. Click, click. Um, and I remember he, I, it took a few times where he just kind of walked on, like, uh, it's like, whatever. Uh, and then uh, I got it finally to where he was like, walking along. Uh, I was like, mission accomplished. Well, uh, Charlie, and by the way, he's uh, going on, he's 13, going on 14. He's a big, big golden retriever. Like, he, uh, we're on borrowed time with Charlie, and his legs don't work as good. His back legs kind of drag in the morning, kind of like me. But, um, uh, but he gets to prancing around by midday. Um, but, but old Charlie, man, the other day, I, I, I forgot that I, my wire was kind of broken and he, he was just kind of prancing around and he started realizing that he could push the boundaries. And uh, man, it's so funny because it took him like, I left it unhooked for like four months. And it took all of those four months for him to finally realize I am free as a bird. Like I got home two days ago and the neighbors called and said, your dog is over here and he's all muddy and he's been, you know, doing all. So, so we had to go get Charlie. Um, but, but it's so funny because it took him a while to sort of play with the, the, the line. And, and we even saw it, like he'd go in places and, and just cross the line by a couple feet and then kind of back. He was, but, but I thought, you know, that's just like me. I'm not smarter than my dog. We'll push those limits and try to play around with how close can we get without getting shocked. But the truth is, um, you know, that's human nature. We want to push the limits as far as possible. And the main problem is you and I, we think we can handle stuff right up until we can't. Right up until we're caught, right up until we're humiliated and feeling sinful and condemned and, and we wonder what in the world happened. So that's the, that's the thing we learned. It, don't even get close. Don't even get close. Run for your life. Flee fornication. Uh, okay, number, uh, I, gotta, I gotta hurry here. Number four, You're gonna, some of you guys aren't gonna like this one. It's all about your wife. Well, who wouldn't like that, Pastor Brett? All the single guys in here. But can I just say this, you single guys, this is for you. This is for you. I'm not talking about the husbands as much. It is that too, of course, obvious. It's obviously about husbands with their wives. But this text tells us it's all about your wife. And I wanna suggest to you young single guys, it's all about your wife. Now, maybe there's a few of you in here saying, well, I never wanna be married and I don't plan on getting married. Well, um, that's great. Paul encourages that. Hey, I would that you be single like me, Paul says. So singleness is celebrated in the Bible. 
But at the same time, you never know what's gonna happen. You never know when you might end up getting married or um, some of you guys are like single guys. Yeah, I'd like to get married someday. That'd be great. It's all about your wife. And I don't want you to dismiss this passage just because you're not married. You gotta be thinking about your wife before you're married. How so? Well, let's, let's read this passage and we, we, we'll kind of talk about this. Let's break it down again. Drink water, Solomon says, from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Um, should springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? He's likening to your sexual uh, relationship with your wife as something that's meant to be in your own cistern, your own well. It's not for the whole town to use or to be a part of. Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always with her love. Um, you know, uh, this is where, you know, the single guys, I'd like to just say, are you young single guys, are you praying for your future right, wife right now? Like, that's a good thing to do. I know some of you guys are, and you're praying, Lord, you know, bless my wife, prepare her for me. That's a big prayer right there. Can the Lord do everything? I don't know, maybe yes. Can he prepare your wife for, for you, your future wife? Yes. Um, think about what kind of man you need to be. If you can imagine, Lord, you've got the, the right woman for me. I wanna be the right man for the wife of my future. And if you've been messing around with a bunch of girls and sleeping around, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna limit your options, brothers. Um, I gotta tell you guys, if you're messing around and doing what the world says, yeah, just sleep with whoever you want to and, and you have as many sexual relationships as you want. Oh, what a lie the world gives. I have to say this, and I know this sounds, I'm probably gonna sound like an old man here, but I am getting older, so maybe this fits. Where are the good young men these days? I mean, as a pastor of a, of a large congregation, I, I find it interesting. I'm just gonna say this. I find it interesting, and you can check yourself if you want, but it's harder to find a good, solid, godly man that's a young single guy than it is to find a good, solid, godly young woman I don't know what's happened to the church. It wasn't like that, you know, even 10 years ago, it was different. But there's something going on in this world, and I think it, it might have something to do with video games. You know, these 27-year-old guys playing video games in their basement of their mother's house. Might be some of that. Um, it has to do with work ethic. It has to do with um, maybe the, the mamby-pamby education that we give our sons now, and we make guys feel bad for just being dudes. Um, maybe that's happened. Um, the softening of the male in a, in a bad way. I'm not saying we should all be jerks and ogres and running around, you know, being uh, weirdos. I am saying that there, there's, a, there's a kind of guy that's a strong, godly, loving, compassionate, but just a strong dude. I feel like there's a lack and, and we need our young single guys really to step up. We really do. Um, so wouldn't it be great if all the young single guys said, listen, I'm gonna be the guy that's thinking about preparation. I want to prepare my heart to be the husband God wants me to be. I'm going to pray for my wife and I'm not going to be sleeping around with a bunch of girls because when you do that, you're going to pick up all kinds of stuff. One thing you're going to pick up is skeletons in the closet. When you get married to your wife and she's going to be thinking about all those relationships you had before, well, she won't know. She will. It'll come out. And she's going to wonder how you think about her compared to all the other women. And you married men, you can attest that's not a good day in marriage. That's not a fun conversation to have. And your wife will have it with you. 
Um, that's, that's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, I've seen it where guys have had to, in the you know, marriage counseling, and they had to say, honey, I, I, I'm sorry, I did sleep with, you know, I have genital warts. I've had to have guys explain in the premarital counseling, yeah, genital warts. You say, well, why would anybody talk about their STDs in a premarital situation? Well, if a guy's honest and a man of integrity, he needs to tell her that, I'll tell you why. Because genital warts for a guy, no big deal. Genital warts for a woman, HPV, is deadly. It can be. And, um, and, and nobody wants to talk about this stuff because it's so grotesque. Um, even your sex ed in high school, they'll, they'll tell you, just wear a condom. What's amazing is the condom doesn't really protect you really from HPV. Um, but nobody will tell you that. But Pastor Brett, oh, I will. I'm not afraid. I'm being honest with you. You look it up. You know, if you look at the, even the, you know, the CDC, that most trustworthy organization. Um, if you look at their stats even, they'll even say, yeah, general awards, pretty much everybody's gonna have it. Everybody's gonna have it, they're saying. And, but isn't it sad that cervical cancer and things like that for women, it's not a deadly thing for guys. But congratulations, dude. You just gave your potential girl that you love and that you would die for, you've actually given her something that she might have to die for, for you. Like, that, 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 we need men that are saying, Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, even before I'm married, being the one who's thinking about my wife. Because guess what? Once you get married, married, there's no pixie dust, lust, anti-lust pixie dust that's sprinkled over your head once you get married. A lot of guys think that, oh, I'm married now, I won't have a problem with pornography or lust. No, you need to be a man as a single man that's conquering pornography long before you get married because the pixie dust doesn't happen. Um, now, I gotta say, being married to the woman you love, it does help to have that uh, sexual relationship. And, and, and remember, the Bible teaches that sex inside of marriage is a beautiful and amazing thing. The marriage bed is undefiled. Um, that's the beauty of it. That's the way God created it. The world has perverted it and tweaked it out. But man, the Bible says, and, and now we go to the, not only the single guys, but also the, the married guys, you know, invest in your wife. Love your wife. Well, bro, what if I don't love her anymore? She's getting older and, and she's grouchier and, and she's not the woman I married you know, 25 years ago or 30 years ago. Uh, well, you're not the man she married 30 years ago either. <laughs> Gotta remember that. But love is not a feeling as much as it's a commitment. It is feeling, but it is, it is more of a commitment. And I'm convinced that there's a, there's a reason why, you know, don't you love these older couples in our church? I see uh, certain couples in our church that I just go, man, they're the champs. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't name some, but I don't want to embarrass some of these uh, older guys and gals, but you know, these, these couples that love each other, how's that possible? Are they as hot as they were when they were 21? Well, if you ask them, you almost think they, they would say yes. How's that happen? Um, well, as it turns out, you know, Matthew, um, chapter uh, six, verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Um, that's talking about how our treasure is supposed to be in heaven toward the Lord, but that's a principle of life. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you wanna be in love with your wife, put your treasure in your wife. If you wanna be in love with the Lord, put your treasure in the Lord in heaven. Um, set your affections on things above, not on this earth. Then your treasure starts to be in heaven. So if you are not loving your wife, the answer is to love your wife. Send her flowers. Take her out, set up a night for romance. 
Um, you know, get home and, and let her have a bath while you're changing the dirty diapers and, and give her the night off and let her just kind of, like you're invest in her. And you know what's gonna happen? You know, she'll love you for that, but you'll start to love her more than you ever imagined as you invest. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's what Jesus taught. You can be in love with whatever you wanna be with. Uh, I know guys that love their dirt bike more than they love their wife. Why? Because they're out in the garage wrenching on their dirt bike and polishing up the dirt bike and riding the dirt bike and all, you know, all this. It's, it's the investment. They put all this time and they really do love their dirt bike um, more. Uh, fill in the blank. What is it that you love more by investing your time, energy, and treasure? You're gonna love that. Whatever. I know guys that love golf more than they love their wife because they invest time and energy into golf. Um, some of you guys like video games. You'd rather, you'd rather play video games than go to bed with your wife at night. That's a real sign, brothers. I'm just gonna be honest with you. One of the, 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 the signs you're becoming a loser <laughs> is you've got a beautiful wife who would love to have you go to bed with her or you got a video game and you can, uh, you can go sit in the dark room playing with these people in China or whatever. Um, splatting brains on the sides of vehicles and stuff. Like, like you can do that or you can be a, a man and you can say, I'm gonna actually uh, go to bed with my wife tonight, every night. Um, just saying, just calling it out. Well, uh, quickly, number five, God sees what you're doing. That's what our text tells us. Um, it says in, in, our, in our text here in Proverbs 5, 21, for the ways of man are before the Lord and he pondereth all his goings. God thinks about what you're doing and he sees it all. Um, this is a common theme through the Bible. Hebrews 4, 13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom you have to do. So, so isn't that weird that the Lord sees that you've got a loving wife who would love nothing more than you to go to bed with her um, when you're sitting there playing video games and the Lord says, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that. And I, I think about that. That's scary stuff right there if you ask me. I, I don't want the Lord having to think about that. Um, everything, check this out. Uh, you know, the, the psalmist said in David, who knew about covering his sin, especially sexual sin, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from my secret faults. David knew that he had to make a special confession of his secret sins. Keep back thy servant all from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. So that's, that's important. You know, you know, God sees what you're doing. And then, uh, and then number six, and this is my last one for the day. Number six, um, porn will bind you up. I think you all know this. I think anybody who's struggled with porn, you guys know that it's, it's as addictive as alcohol and drugs. And it has to do with what we talked about last time. Your dopamine levels are off the charts, just like the same response of if you had like, you know, certain drugs that you had taken, the same response. Your body does the same response when it comes to pornography and masturbation and all that stuff that we talked about last time. It'll bind you up. And this is what our text tells us. This is the Bible, thousands of years ago, saying, his own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. Your newer translations say, you know, bound up with chains and brass and, or, you know, tied up with ropes. There's different translations that kind of talk about this, but basically you'll be bound up. 
You'll be bound up. The world says, oh, you're free, free love, free sex. In the 60s, everything, free, free. And then we found out it wasn't free. There were STDs and there were relationship issues and emotional consequences and all kinds of dastardly things that went along with free love. Didn't work out very good. And yet the world still charges ahead with their you know, sexual promiscuity. Proverbs um, 22, uh, 522, uh, pardon me, Psalm 101.3. Let me, let, me, let me finish with this. I'm gonna give you three ammo scriptures specifically I want you to memorize. And you can say, yeah, whatever, Brett, I'm not doing what you tell me to. Well, you can do that if you want. Or you can be a guy who's ready to roll when the battle comes. You know, I, I've often thought, you know, you veterans, um, you guys are the ones, many of you, especially that have seen combat, you know, most of us men today don't know anything about what it feels like to sit there, you know, with your, your weapon and getting ready to head into kind of a life and death situation. Like that's an amazing thing to me to think about. And that's why on Veterans Day, Veterans Day weekend, I think mostly we men who have to think about what would it take, you know, for guys to do that? And I just know myself, man, I'd be double and triple checking my mags. I'd be making sure that the rounds were, were not just kind of clumsily crammed into the mag. I'd wanna make sure they were very carefully put in. I'd wanna make sure they're, they're in the right place so that they feed as, as most likely possible to have success. I mean, I'd be checking my you know, weapon because you know what? You don't want failure in the middle of a gunfight. Like, I, I mean, I can only imagine what some of you guys have been through in that, um, a faulty weapon. Guess what? The Lord compares this uh, to the battle that we're in, the spiritual battle. Um, and I don't know about you, but I wanna have my spiritual ammo ready to roll. And so you need it ready. Even if you don't have your Bible in hand, I wanna, I wanna give you three ammo scriptures that will be great for you to memorize. And man, you're ready to roll. So when lust comes in your mind, here's one of them, Psalm 101.3. Just speak this out with your mouth and, and just say it. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Even if you memorize that first half, that's okay. If you're bad at memorization, just remember the first half. The second half's good too. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. What is this verse saying? I will set no unclean thing, or as some translations say, unclean or wicked thing before mine eyes. Uh, when you're tempted to look at something that's perverse or pornographic, just speak this out. Don't think it, speak it. There is power in the spoken word. I believe that. The Bible talks about how there's power of life and death in your, in your very mouth. So speak it out. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. And then when it says, I hate the work of them that turn aside, you need to just say, I hate what's going on there. They're trying to turn me off course. They're trying to turn me away from my wife. They're trying to turn me away from God. I hate that. You're, you're saying that as the verse. And, and just declare, it shall not cleave to me. Man, this is a great ammo scripture right there. Uh, that's the first thing, you, you can fire that away. Remember, Matthew 4, every time Satan gave Jesus a temptation, he quoted scripture. Here's one for you as it relates to pornography. Scripture number two, um, James 1.12. This is one of my favorites. I use this one all the time. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Blessed, the word blessed means happy. You'll be happy when you endure temptation. In the middle of the temptation, not so fun. You're tempted, you might even feel grouchy because you're not you know, fulfilling that desire and your dopamine levels are like, come on, come on, I need that, I need that rush. I'm depressed, I'm angry, I'm, I'm you know, tired and I deserve, it. no, no, no. 
Blessed, happy is the man that endureth temptation for when he has tried, he will receive the crown of life. Now, by the way, I'm not into crowns. So people go, I'm not into crowns. It's not about the crown. Um, the crown of life, the Lord has promised to those that love him, that's something you're gonna want. That's gonna be a blessing that you or I can't even imagine what kind of a blessing that is. Um, there's a good ammo scripture right there. So ammo scripture number one is Psalm 101.3. Ammo scripture number two, James 1.12. And I'll give you another one, ammo scripture number three. And by the way, there's hundreds of these, but I'm giving you three. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee fornication. Greek word for fornication, porneia, pornography. Flee, run, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sins against his own body. You're messing yourself up. When you get engaged in sexual sin, you're hurting yourself. That's what the Bible says. So there's your challenge to memorize those three verses. Um, and, uh, and I think that that's gonna be a great thing. And, and I think I might have a few axes next week, next time for some guys that actually, if they take this up, and if I call you out and you're ready to roll, I won't embarrass anybody or make anybody not do it. Either, but I might just try to find a few guys who uh, are willing to take up this challenge to have this ammo scripture. And then not just know it, but use it. Every time you feel temptation, just start speaking the word of God. There's power in the word. Amen? Amen. Lord, for my brothers, I just thank you so much for these guys. Um, just being here on a Saturday morning, Lord, I know that this topic is not really fun but it does hit us every single day. Um, the challenges and the, the struggle with sexual sin, Lord, is such a real thing. But um, as we just kind of hit it today, Lord, again, I just pray that you just put our, our hearts in the right place, Lord. Um, I pray for my brothers that we'd be ready, equipped to do battle, that we wouldn't be in that country club mentality and just chilling and cruising. Lord, I pray that we would be men who are ready to roll ready to do battle against the evil one so that when those temptations come, Lord, that we would be godly men, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, equipped with your word on the tip of our tongues, Lord, to do battle against the evil one. Give us strength, Lord. May my brothers just walk in real victory. I pray that, um, that Lord, you would just take the enemy and, and uh, disable him, uh, especially in this area. Lord, I pray that there'd be no power that would um, overcome these brothers, Lord, here. Those watching online, Lord, we pray that there'd be great victory with the area of pornography, Lord. Help us, Lord. Bless your congregation. Um, we do pray blessing on our wives, our families. Lord, we know that this is a far-reaching sin that affects so many. And I pray for the wounds that have happened in past, that, Lord, you'd heal up those wounds and that there'd just be a newness, a new start and a new beginning, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.